0: Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that digs up all sorts of information about the world of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories from around the world including big oil and gas suppliers embrace carbon pricing. We hear about the BMW i3 plug-in hybrid, expensive but very up-to-date. We get first impressions of driving the new Kia Sorento, and in our panel discussion with Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories including Formula One race organisers replace grid girls with male models. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news.
1: Six of the world's major oil and gas companies, including BP, Shell, and Total, have called for national or regional carbon pricing. They also propose that governments and the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change work on creating clear, stable, ambitious policy frameworks that could eventually connect national systems. They said in part, Our industry faces a challenge. We need to meet greater energy demand with less CO2. We firmly believe that carbon pricing will discourage high carbon options and reduce uncertainty that will help stimulate investments in the right low-carbon technologies and the right resources at the right pace. The report has been met with some cynicism, some claiming that these companies that are heavily involved in natural gas, so an increase in the price of fossil fuels will make natural gas more profitable. The chances of someone being able to own a car in China's capital are about to get a lot worse, as officials try to tackle the massive parking shortfall in a city with 5.6 million cars, but less than 3 million spaces to put them. From next year, Beijing residents will need to provide proof that they have access to a parking spot before they can purchase a vehicle. With some underground parking spaces in Beijing going for over $200,000 Australian, the measure could price many people out of vehicle ownership entirely. The measures follow on from congestion controls introduced in 2011, when licences began to be awarded by a lottery system. Australia has a new car manufacturer, But it will never replace Toyota, Holden or Ford. Quantum's GP700 is a lightweight two-seater with no roof and no windscreen. Its looks owe more to a race car than a conventional sedan. It has a 2.7 litre engine that puts out 522 kilowatts of power, nearly three times the power of a base model Holden Commodore, and it weighs only 700 kilograms, just a bit over the original 1959 Mini. Needless to say, it goes fast. From 0 to 100km an hour will take 2.6 seconds. Reports on the price vary from $700,000 to $1 million. Its biggest selling point is that it will be tailored to your size and developing driver experience. The VFAX vehicle sales figures are in for May 2015. And one of the most significant trends is the increase, in percentage terms, of supercar sales. For the first five months of the year, in a market that has risen just 2.5% overall, Aston Martin sales are up 16%. Porsche are up 59%, although the sales increase are led by their crossover vehicle, the Macan. McLaren sales are up 74%. A big increase on very small numbers. They have sold 12 cars so far this year. Ferrari are up 86%, Maserati are up 117%, their new smaller car the Ghibli is the Rocket Performer, and Lamborghini sales are up a massive 960%. A 1.6 litre diesel Peugeot 208 has set a new long-distance fuel consumption record. It covered 2,152 kilometres on 43 litres of diesel, with an average fuel consumption of 2.0 litres per 100 kilometres. The Peugeot 208 tested was a very low fuel consumption version, available as part of the extensive European range. But this was not exactly real-life driving conditions. The test was conducted on the Peugeot test circuit at Belcombe in France but its everyday fuel consumption is still impressive. The official combined drive cycle fuel consumption figure is 3.0 litres per 100 kilometres, which is 94 miles per gallon in the old measure. This produces a CO2 emission of 79 grams per kilometre, which is a world benchmark for a standard production model powered by an internal combustion engine. In the 60s, the Mini revolutionised sedan car racing with its front-wheel-drive configuration. Despite this, all specialist racing cars have a rear-wheel-drive layout. Brabham and others in the late 50s and early 60s also showed that if you had a choice, you will put the engine in the back. At Le Mans this year, Nissan is creating a revolution. They are returning to the premier class of sports car racing, with three radical front-engined, front-wheel-drive Nissan GTRs, to race in the Le Mans 24-hour. Nissan's driving lineup is also different. Among the usual team members from Formula One and sports car racing, they also have several drivers from Nissan's own GT Academy. The Academy have taken young men who have excelled in computer racing games, and given them a chance at real racing. And that has been the news.
0: From the moment they first talked about the plug-in hybrid, I liked the idea of the concept. It gives you the advantage of a pure electric car for short trips, but if you need to go a longer distance, there was an internal combustion engine to generate the power. Holden came out with the Volt, which was small and expensive. Mitsubishi has the Fev, which is large and quite pricey. Now BMW has the i3, which goes back to the formula of being rather small. Uh, but uh, also it does come with a BMW price. It it does come with a pure electric car or the plug-in hybrid, but let's concentrate on the plug-in hybrid. Now, does the name BMW still mean good technology, and what about their traditional qualities of good handling and performance? Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury is on the line. Brent, we should start off with new technologies give us a chance to look different, but I wouldn't say this is different, but not a pretty car.
2: Yeah, you're right, David. It's, it's anything but a pretty car. I mean, lots and lots of tech there, all of it good, but uh, my my standard line with this car is that uh, two guys designed it, neither of them worked in the same building, and they never spoke to each other. One did the, the back half, one did the front half, and that's all, all there was to it.
0: <laughs> the, the front half looks a bit like the concept cars from the Japanese in the late 90s. Uh, I got the same reaction when I look at some exotic fish in an aquarium. Uh, you know, it's got the, the, the strong front bumper bar, sticks out a bit, but the next level back is set back a little with a small grill and fairly small lights. It almost has that Richie Benno extended bottom lip. Exactly. Approach. Well, let's,
2: let's look at that grill for a minute, David. It's it's fake. It's, it absolutely doesn't do anything. Hmm. So, you know, yeah, well, you, you, you buy a BMW, you want the BMW um, kidney grills, and they just happen to be made of plastic.
0: The side view is interesting, too. The glass area, it looks a bit like a jet engine. There's a the large bit over the two doors, and then it tapers over the back compartment bit, the hatchback sort of uh, station wagon sort of look. Uh, it tapers down and And it gives me the idea of a, a jet engine, I suppose, but does that make it look faster?
2: Well, it makes it look odd and and, and the, the rear doors themselves are the um, the oft talked about suicide doors they're rear hinged they open backwards. You can only open them by opening the front doors, uh, and you can't close the front doors until the rear doors are closed so yeah look there's some, there's some oddities mm. about the car, but if we step aside from that the 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 under bonnet. Technicalities. Are, look, they're they're quite stunning, and I I want this techni- technology. I really do. I mean, we have a, a an electric motor that makes the wheels go around and, and gives the car the uh, the wherewithal to, to go forward and backward. And tucked away in my particular car was a six hundred and fifty cc two cylinder engine, which came on when the batteries were empty, but it only worked to make more power for the batteries. It didn't. It doesn't actually drive the wheels. Mm. So, you know, yeah, all the time you're under under electric power and I I used the car at, in the first instance in, in a way it shouldn't really be used. I had to do a fairly long freeway run. So, you know, it, it used up its um, allotted range. I think my, the dashboard told me I had 80 kilometres of, of battery power and then after that I had about 120 kilometres of, uh, of petrol power. Mm, And driving that? Yeah. What what, what sort of fuel consumption? Well, here's the strange thing. Um, (laughs) 2.41 litres per 100 kilometres, and if you put that in the old money, 117 miles per gallon.
0: That's pretty good, given that it was a significant amount of driving on the petrol engine, powering, you know, generating power for the electric motor. Absolutely, And, and I have
2: to tell you that my size 11 right foot was not being gentle on the throttle. Because this car really doesn't care if you drive the backside off it. It's um, got a got a claimed at top speed of 150 kilometres an hour. And while it didn't get up that fast, it was happy to rock and roll along at um, 115, 120 if you took your eyes off the speedo. Yeah. So it's, it's not a slouch, it's not a, it's not a toy car, it's not a golf cart or anything like that. It is a proper, real car that can run on the highway or toddle around the suburbs. And I would suggest the way they've set this up, is, like I said, it has a 9-litre fuel tank. My, my lawnmower has a bigger fuel tank than this car. Um, <laughs> you, you could buy the car with a full tank of fuel, run right around the suburbs, drop the kids to school, go to the shops, go to work, blah, 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 Uh, take it home at night, plug it into the power point in your garage, do the same thing the next morning. You might never, ever use that nine litres of fuel in the tank. The The petrol motor might never actually come into operation.
0: Brent, as always, I appreciate your thoughts and your time. Thank you very much. David,
2: it's always my pleasure.
0: That's Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury talking about the BMW i3. And you can get a longer interview by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au and you can podcast.
3: Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au.
0: The Kia Sorento, a large seven-seater SUV, is a well-respected vehicle and won a few awards uh, that has not achieved, however, the sales number it deserves. Their new model, according to Kia, is a quantum leap in development, being bigger and more refined. It warrants a bigger percentage of the market, I believe, and we went on the test drive and uh, had a chance to experience it in some rather interesting roads and uh, also there. And we'll talk to now is Alan Zervis from the Star Observer and Gay Carboys, who's joins us on the line now. Alan, thanks very much for your time. It was a lovely drive, wasn't it,
3: David? It was fabulous. I, I really enjoyed this car, and I enjoyed North Queensland as well.
0: Mm, up around Port Douglas, and uh, you know from Cairns, and then up into the Atherton Tablelands. Yep. Oh, yep. there, there was some beautiful stuff there, including some twisty roads. Uh, but, of course, this is really... I, I, I get the image here. It's very much aimed at families. The ad campaign, I think, will feature the song, I Get Around, a clear pay on the adventurous image of the SUV. Yep. Uh, but um, there's also that little one of the Piers Brosnan ad that first came out with the Super Bowl. Uh, do, you, do you like that ad? Do you think it's got character?
3: I think it's brilliant. I really like ads that... Uh, you know, where the, the, a company is, is uh, having a go at itself, you know, and Piers Brosnan mm. was, was having a go at himself, you know. Oh, you know, well, we were doing 200 kilometres an hour. Oh, no, 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 just 30, they say in the ad. I, I thought that was kind of cute, and <laughs> he just has that look on his face of disappointment.
0: Uh, yes it's going to be an action adventure Well it'll be an adventure
3: you know,
0: You'll meet something blocking the road Ah a
3: big tank No a moose <laughs> But on that, in that Adam that's a, a quite a good point Is that uh, they're in the snow uh, So mm. at least in Australia when, Anyway uh, all of the uh, the petrols are only two wheel uh, Front wheel drive And all of the mm. diesels are four wheel drive So if uh, you know that was probably A four wheel drive if we're using our standards
0: yeah indeed they they limit the number of variants of the serrata they did it for the last model as well and they claim that uh that they can still still serve the market well the uh, petrol v six three point three liter uh it was uh, an interesting area quite a lot of uh, kilowatts
3: it is it, yeah it's one hundred and ninety nine which is uh, i always compare things to to other cars that I know well so for example the holden uh three point six has got 210 kilowatts, and... Uh, so it's this, up
0: there with that one?
3: That's right, and it's also up there in terms of performance. You know, it's a, it, it's a beautiful, smooth power delivery. Uh, it's a brand-new engine for Kia. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Very hmm. smooth. I- I, I liked.
0: I thought it was more responsive, as a petrol engine tends to be. Uh, it seems to, you know, get get its power and get it nice and early. Doesn't have the torque over a, quite the range that the diesel might do. Now the diesel was interesting. Not a new engine, but upgraded a bit.
3: Yeah, and it's only a two point uh, two liter as well. Um, hmm. So it's got uh, con- well, not considerably less power, but it's got about three quarters of the power of the uh, of the uh, the, the okay, V six. Cool. Um, but it's got considerably more, as you point out, torque, so 318 mm. for the petrol and 441 for the diesel.
0: Mm, that gives it that pulling power that makes it there. Three variants as well. What other, the SI and
3: what, what's the other ones? SOI and platinum.
0: Mm. But again, the platinum is only available in the diesel.
3: Yeah, so yeah you... and I, I think if I was going to buy the platinum, I'd probably personally prefer a, a petrol, but depends on what I was going to use it for.
0: If you're going to spend that sort of money, you might be prepared to take the extra fuel consumption, although diesel is more expensive as well. So what is the fuel consumption for for these?
3: 9.9 uh, 9 and 7.8. So, so the, the
0: petrol is about 27% higher. It is. But as I say, the, a, a litre of diesel usually costs you a bit more.
3: It does. And also, don't forget, the, the uh, diesel engine costs you more to buy, uh, you know, when you first buy the car. Hmm. So it's not...
0: As big a gap between petrol and diesel as some other cars, although then, of course, the, you have to remember that the petrol only has the two-wheel drive and the Correct. diesel has the four-wheel drive. Yeah,
3: and that also means, that uh, I noticed when I was looking through the um, paraphernalia today that uh, the, uh, the weight is getting up for, I think it was 1,900 kilos or thereabouts, a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. So that all-wheel drive system, uh, as good as it is, this DynaMax four-wheel drive, um, all-wheel drive, I should say, um, that, that that costs weight. Um, mm. And so you've got to decide in your own mind if you're not going to you know, go uh, camping or, or whatever, if you're just using this around town, do you really need all-wheel drive? All well, right,
0: Alan. You know, I appreciate your time and your thoughts. Thank you very much. Always a
3: pleasure, David. Thank you.
0: And that's Alan Service from uh, the Star Observer and Gay Carboys talking about the Kia Sorento SUV. And you can hear a longer version by going to our website, and you can also hear a podcast.
1: Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. And it's that
0: time of the week where we have a bit of controversy corner, where we sit and mull over a few subjects uh, on the more lighter side of motoring and transport. And joining me once again on the line is Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. Now, I have a story to start with. At the Silverstone grid for the World Endurance Championship recently, they had had removed the pit lane girls, the girls that stand on the starting line with the number and name and or name of the driver in the car of which uh, drivers then line up to. Now, they're going to do that on all World Endurance Championship races, which includes even the Le Mans race. Which uh, we heard uh, f- from today that our good friend Brent Davidson has been invited to not to race but just to have a look. Now that continues on the Formula One Monaco Grand Prix recently did not have grid girls; they had grid boys. I hope they meant grid young men. Actually, as I say that, <laughs> I, was, I was, was going with
1: grid, grid guys. I think that's grid guys. Subject, yeah. I think that's grid, a better grid, b- b- better bet. The grid the grid girls become grid
4: guys.
0: Brian, Errol, is this a trend that is uh, worthy of
4: consideration? David, it's, it's 2015. I'm astounded that it was still happening. Mm. That, uh, you know, this sort of objectification. And uh, I see that some of the Formula One drivers were, were a little concerned about it because it's a, a bit different. But uh, yeah, I'm just astounded that it's lasted as long as it has.
0: Vettel was quoted as saying that he'll speak to Bernie Eccleston about it because he didn't like it. I'm not sure, oh, Bernie Eccleson will only say, how can I make money out of it, I suppose. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
4: he's, he's,
0: he's not going to get an impartial comment from uh, Bernie, is he? Let alone one that might understand the common mores of the time. I, I'm all for it. I find it just so false. You know, these poor people have to stand at the front there and look as though it's the best thing in the world they ever did when you know all they're doing really is uh, standing there in skimpy clothing. Yeah.
4: Yeah, Mm. just to be ogled at. I I, I don't know.
1: Why why don't they just make it a 50-50 mix of grid guys and girls, and then everyone will have something to be distracted by?
4: (laughs) We don't want distraction in motor racing.
1: (laughs) Why not? It's so boring.
0: (laughs) If you watch the Monaco Grand Prix, it it was not what I would call great entertainment. But then again, I don't see Girls standing in bikinis as entertainment, really. I do. I think Brian, your comment that objectifies them yeah, is uh, absolutely right.
1: Mm. I, I was wondering if, um, if when they replaced all the girls with guys, if they were, if this was some secret plan to reveal which way the drivers turn. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't mean on corners either.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. No. Or. All right, uh, Brian, a story we, we touched a little bit on um, delivery of stuff by train. Well, You've yes. got a story
4: for that, Yes, um, famously, uh, the Minister for Roads in New South Wales talking about West Connect said that, uh, you know, people don't uh, deliver, yes. you know, take home a fridge or a washing machine on their bike or on public transport. Well, in the US, um, Amazon is, is, has been quietly using the um, underground rail system there, the subway system, to assist them in making deliveries for some time. It's the quickest way to deliver many products in the city centre, much faster than travelling around by car or bicycle on the surface. So um, Amazon has a thing called Prime Now, which is a a sort of a delivery um, offer where they'll deliver for free within two hours or for about $8 for an hour. Well, they found that they've actually been um, trolleying boxes of Amazon products on the subway and and they've been using it for most of their prime now deliveries for smaller items up to sort of uh, smaller than a large screen TV um, because traffic in Manhattan has made it impossible to make the 60 minute guarantee. So there you are, David, the public transport starting to be used for freight. Um, And uh, it is a bit of a trend by retailers to improve delivery times.
0: We did a little story about uh, freight on trains, uh, not Amazon, books. And I wondered uh, a little while ago, and I wondered whether we might bring back the old parcel vans in Australia. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the parcel vans? They used to go around there. Now, in fact, using public transport for the delivery of goods uh, has also been tried. Volkswagen taking an automotive theme. In Dresden, uh, uh, they had a situation where they wanted to move uh, spare parts uh, from uh, one area to another, uh, from a logistics centre to a new factory, and they found the way they could do that was on trams. And so they have specially constructed trams on which they put the parts and it runs
4: along passenger lines and delivers the parts between the two areas. David, the market Mm. will find a way. Business will... You know, exploit what's out there. And certainly if you're starting yeah. to see them using public transport, then it's saying some good things about reliability, travel time and all those things that help customers.
0: Uh, we did the story uh, last week that were about quaxing, where uh, a guy in New Zealand made a derogatory comment about people shopping on bikes, but the fact is no one does it. And everyone now, his name was Quax, and now everyone is sending in photos of how they've been to the shops on their push bikes. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. quaxing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. This quaxing. Is, uh, he's a renowned sort of uh, dinosaur in, in New Zealand. Uh, quaxing has, has become a worldwide phenomenon.
0: Indeed. Now, I don't know, this delivery of books by Amazon, uh, they offer it to get you a book delivered within an hour for $8 US, about $10.40 Australian... Which is a pretty cheap delivery, so they're going to have to. But the guy delivering is going to have to be carrying quite a few books. Mm. I'll come back to that. But the thing is, why do you need to have a book delivered
1: within an hour? Do you
0: get this sudden rush <laughs> to say, "I need a book"? This is you your see, last I da- read it now. Last minute you see, purchase, D- David. David.
1: You, you just you just you just have more patience than the <laughs> typical person oh, in Manhattan. Yeah, um, gotta have it. Gotta have it now. Um, could be a generational thing. But uh, I, I wonder if they thought this through because they promised to deliver anything. And they, and they deliver not just books, uh, any item that, that uh, Amazon, Amazon sells. Amazon sells a hell of um, a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, the, this idea that they could deliver anything in, in an hour in Manhattan <laughs> seems a it was little al- bit yes, optimistic. It's always going to gonna be a challenge, isn't <laughs> it?
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, if you're carrying two books, you know, one for one area, one for the other... It's going to be pretty hard, you know, to get to the first one on time, let alone the second within the hour as well. I mean, Manhattan is a very
4: compact place, and I imagine pretty much everywhere is within an easy walk of, um, uh, you know, of a a subway station.
0: Um, Um, Do you read e-books? I do. I read e-books now quite often. Yeah, well, I wonder whether e-books might not be the, the step beyond that, mm. you know, that you mm. actually just get it sent down a, a line. The other thing is they talk about guys going around with large trolleys from Amazon, so they're obviously carrying several books. Uh, uh, you wonder how they get them on the train. Do we, do we see a need for a, a redesign of stations?
4: Oh, yes, so we can make them much more multifunctional. Bigger lifts, large wider escalators,
0: hmm. Gentlemen, it has always been good uh, and is still always good to have a chat to you about the more unusual stories. Thanks very much for your time. You're welcome. And and we were talking there to Errol Smith and Brian Smith. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Alan Zervis, Brent Davidson and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.